some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the bird and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of throwing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Tree that broke his neck. 
<laughs> and uh, so he he's had all kind, they had all kinds of adventures. And he, like I said, he's got a quirky sense of humor, and uh, I appreciate that. So um, awesome. It, it I was, get all of yeah, that. it was a good book. Yeah, it's a good book. So, um, how was your weekend? Did you guys do any uh, squatching this weekend? It was a good weekend. We uh, yeah, we were out in the woods and did some hiking and investigating and it was a pretty quiet weekend though. Nothing of spectacular um evidentiary value. <laughs> but it was a wonderful <laughs> weekend to get out and uh get out there in the woods. Beautiful. Spring is here, things are starting to green up and it's looking really good out there. Awesome. Well our guest today is Misty Alabo, excuse me, Alabo, and I asked for to to pronounce the name, and I still butchered it. Sorry, Misty. And um, she is a active Bigfoot researcher. She's been um, active actively researching for um, more than twenty years. Um, she is also an author and has written uh, a book, a sci-fi horror uh, book, and it's actually the first book in a trilogy um, called Flesh and Blood Theory: Bigfoot Rogue. So, and uh, I have not read the book in its entirety yet, but I uh, was reading the synopsis, and it is definitely um, sci-fi and Bigfoot-eating people, and uh, we will ask her about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. I, I mean, did, did, did use, you know, I mean, there there are some people that have claimed, you know, there's that people are disappearing uh, and that suggest that it might have something to do with the hungry Bigfoot. So um, I'd like to, we'll get some more information here from, from Misty. Um, Misty, how are you today? Gunner here with Julie. I am doing. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Um, I'm doing Hi. really well. Thank you. Hey, Misty. <laughs> Hi, Julie. Hi. Sounds like you guys know each other. (laughs) 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 So we appreciate you joining us today on Monster X. Tell us a little bit about your. I always like to. I always like to. I know that you had an encounter um, quite a while ago, but uh, can you tell us a little bit of background that led you into uh, the field, this crazy field of Bigfoot? Oh, of course. Um, Many, many years ago, um, when I was a teenager, I was hunting with my family and had a, um, well, life-changing but very brief encounter. And, um, you know, of course, I was was young, and I... I, I knew I saw something, but I couldn't. I couldn't maybe fathom what it was until, you know, my my mom and dad both agreed that they had saw something cross the road. And what I had saw was, you know, just a, a few seconds, you know, after that, and I saw it standing on a, on the side of the hill. And um, I I referred to it, and I will always refer to it as Bigfoot. I I saw it. I I know what I saw, and. Um, you know, since then, um, it, it's just been, you know, many years of what started out with was for me, you know, was to maybe 
scientifically back up my truth, my experience, what I had. And it's just kind of roller coastered into a lot more, you know, where I've talked to hundreds of people. And um, yes, the book um, that I wrote is fiction, but um, it, it's been a fantastical journey and ups and downs and all arounds. And I'm at a place now where I never thought I would be sharing this with everybody, but um, I, I love it. And I, I believe in, I believe wholeheartedly in Bigfoot, um, and uh, it's become my life's passion. Awesome. So, so your encounter when you were a teenager, um, you said way quite some time ago. I can relate to that. But uh, what, <laughs> tell us a little bit. I mean, what what kind of details can you tell us about your encounter? Um, I can tell you every detail. Um, you know, <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> it was right around the first part of November. Um, it was hunting season here in Montana. And uh, I had been out all day with my, my brother and my mom and dad. We hiked around a lot and, you know, looking for elk and deer. And, you know, it's a it's a general hunting season, so it's open to a lot of different um, animals. And that hunting season, we were just kind of struggling as a little bit of a, a family. We um, suffered a, a couple deaths, and I was 17 at the time. And um, you know, hanging out maybe with your little brother and your mom and dad weren't wasn't the family vacation I had envisioned, but it's what we'd always done. So we continued on with our traditions. And that afternoon, we had quit hunting a, a little bit earlier. You know, the normal we. Um, we're coming down the road. It, obviously, we had gotten back to our truck and, you know, driving down the road. And my brother was already asleep, leaned up against the passenger door, mom and dad in the front seat. And we were just uh, coming down this road that we had come down hundreds of times before. Um, my dad was a logger in the area. It's just a very familiar place to me. And I, I heard my mom in the front seat. She kind of like made a noise. I, it was more of a I don't know if I would call it a gasp or, you know, whatever. But I heard my dad, he snapped at her. And um, he was just like, you know, shut up, Mary. And Mary was my mom. And that's not something that is done in our family. He would never do that. And, you know, of course, being a kid, I was, I like perked up. I was just like, oh, you know, what's what's happening up there? You know, is, is there going to be drama? And I was just like, okay, nothing's happening. So I just kind of looked out the window, and I, I can't tell you how many seconds had passed. It was definitely seconds, not minutes. But I just, you know, behind the driver's um, seat, you know, I looked out the window, and it just was very quick. It was just the the biggest, darkest man I had seen standing about, 55, maybe 60 yards on the hill. And I, I'm not, I mean, what still sticks in my mind to this day is the way that the sun was kind of setting behind the hill and his shape was outlined. His shape was perfectly outlined. And, you know, I, I just I just remember seeing, you know, the wind, the little bit of breeze was lifting the, the hair on his on his left shoulder. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, what, what, wait, you know. And I, I sat there, and it was over and done with very quick. I mean, it was just one of those super quick things. And you, well, I should say, I just sat there, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, what did I see? I, of course, always heard a Bigfoot, you know. 
but it wasn't something that at 17 years old that I was, you know, spending my time on. And we went a ways down the road, and I finally asked my mom and dad, I'm like, you know, have you ever seen anything that that you believe, you know, you know is not real, but I, I know I saw something. And my mom turned around in her seat, and she said, did you just see the hairy man cross the road? And to this day, my exact words were, no, I saw him standing on the side of the hill, though. And, um, you know, as as the uh, seconds turned into minutes, I, I, it dawned on me that, it, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, oh, my gosh, you know, it, it's real, it's there. And, um, you know, my dad was very, very, you know, don't, I don't want you saying a word to anybody, you know, let's just leave this alone. And, you know, within, you know, an hour later, I could see why, because we had, you know, got back to our camp where other family was and mentioned, you know, we saw something strange and somebody's like, oh, don't tell me, you saw Bigfoot. And right then it was just like, you kind of go into a secret protective mode of yourself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like, to me, it was a letdown. It was a huge letdown because I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this is big. This is big. I guess I maybe thought that since I had saw it, you know, the world was going to announce its existence. But that's not how it was at all. And for many years, you know, after that, you know, you kind of just stay in the background, reading, watching, talking to people, collecting different instances. And, And that's how it started. And that's how it turned into what it is today. Awesome. So you're, you fast forward to today and uh, you decided, what made you decide to write a, a Bigfoot book? Well, you know, I, I've always wanted to write something, you know, even in college, I, I, I wanted to write something. And even if my degrees didn't correspond to what my dream was, it was still a dream. And, you know, my passion was evolved over the space of several years to being consumed with Bigfoot. You know, um, you buy everything, you watch everything, you read everything. And um, I guess maybe I thought in the early days that writing like a first-hand encounter book was, was my ultimate goal, but it was hard to get people to talk to me, and especially at that time being pretty young. So I put it on the back burner, and down the road I had a a graveyard position job that um, 12 hours of alone time, and you sit behind a computer, and it just comes to you. And that's how it evolved. I mean, I can definitely thank my, my family for pushing me because they're always like, oh, just write a Bigfoot book, you know, and you're always reading those science fiction stuff anyway. You know, write something like that, and... I believe, you know, that the creativity needs to be within you to write something, you know, effective. And at the time, this, you know, science fiction, like a Bigfoot book that uh, maybe was outside of the realm of what people were reading at the time was just what was on my mind. So, you know, and it it was not a quick process. I mean, it was a few years. And then after that, it kind of just sat there um, because I was just like, oh, you know, you know, the Bigfoot thing was kind of becoming more popular. And I'm like, well, I don't know if people are ready for my kind of writing. I don't even know if this is my kind of writing, but it feels good. And so I just went ahead and 
you know, pushed it. So that that's how it evolved. It was just an, an imagination. That was awesome. What um, what year does that book come out? Um, it came out April two years ago. So years we're ago. Okay. actually I. I believe that it maybe um it might be two years today actually that it oh, was yeah. published. Okay. Yeah, I I just thought about that and I thought about the date and I'm like, I think it was two years ago. And um I have my second book, the second book to the sequel is done. Um there were a couple setbacks like a an injury that um kept me from writing for a while and but it is done and it is uh ready to to be read. And I'm working okay. on the third one, and <laughs> so, yeah, it's coming together. It's coming together. Okay, and where can um, where can somebody purchase your first book? Is it on Amazon or? Um. Oh yeah, yes. Um, Amazon. Uh, I I take them with me to the different conferences and stuff, but um, Amazon.com is is the place to to look for it. Okay. And uh, it, it's entitled Flesh and Fury, Bigfoot Rogue. And um, I, I generally tell people it's just kind of easier to look for my name. My name might be easier to find than the book. Okay. Yeah, there were, I, I did find your book on, on Amazon. And uh, there are. it's amazing is how many um, uh, Bigfoot books there are out there right now. I mean, it's there's I, – I remember reading a while back because there was – uh, a gal that does Bigfoot erotica, for lack of a better term. Oh that, my! I mean, is making <laughs> is making a, a is making a really good living at, and I think I ran across some of those in the search for your book. I was like, whoa! <laughs> uh, no, that would not. That's not me. I know what you're talking about, though. Um, I I get posts, you know, daily about new Bigfoot stuff, you know that's posted mm-hmm. in the last 24 hours and I've, I've seen those come across my feed and it takes me a little bit to uh, wrap my head around it, but it's just like moving on. Yeah. So, Ms. so, so you, this book um, is part of a trilogy, the uh, flesh and fury, Bigfoot rogue. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. Yeah. And, and so tell us, give us a little overview of, of the first book. Well, the the first book um, takes place um, in my home state of Montana, and um, basically, uh, just a, a brief synopsis is that there's this um, fire tower watch um, ranger, and she's been on fire duty for a long time and experiencing um, some anomalies that have her concern. She's ready to get off the mountain when a fire starts, and across the mountains. There is a clan of what I'm going to refer to as Leviathans, even though I know that's not the, the term a lot of people would associate with them, but I want to just say, you know, thing. And um, they're essentially just plain old Bigfoot. And in conjunction, there's a couple of hunters. And uh, everything just kind of collides together with a renegade or a rogue Bigfoot that kind of takes a, a taste of human flesh and enjoys it and everything collides with a forest fire and you know 
two people trying to make it out alive. But uh, the the biggest part of the story is that um, one of my main characters is actually a Bigfoot, and um, we refer to him as Red, and he he saves the day. So even though you know it is a science fiction type horror bloody um you know it just shows that they're they're good and i don't believe that they're bad at all that and and he he kind of wraps the story uh, up and he pulls all the loose threads together and he'll continue to do that throughout the trilogy hmm. sounds very interesting <laughs> yeah, there's there's um yeah, you know, I I needed a to do something that that fit me, and um, there's several different storylines that come together, and like I said, it just all comes together and collides. And you know, I think at the time maybe that I finished that book, maybe there was a a forest fire here in Montana, and it just, you know, it felt right. The creativity behind it at the time, it felt right to me, and um, you know, it just honestly wrote itself in my mind all I did was put it on paper and I, I tell people that and they they think that you know whatever but the the truth is that it just it just came together so well for me I was very very fortunate and the second one is is the same way I hope people receive it with as much enthusiasm as they did the first one and that was a question is power are do you find that people are receptive to this uh your first book are you doing pretty good with that i mean is it how's that going yeah i mean you know of course you know it's been out for two years and you know people that read these kind of um topics have read it and stuff and been anxiously awaiting the second one which like i said it it was put off for an entire year and um so so you know, people are still contacting me. It's it's a popular popular thing, but during these past few years, I've kind of shifted focus a little bit away from my writing and centered more on the research aspect of of this, and began to travel a lot. So there's there's been a, a few things that have um, I'm not going to call them setbacks, just simply adjustments. For the trilogy, I mean, I'm sure some people could have, you know, wrote three books very quickly, but I, I mean, I, I just have to write and get it on paper when it feels right to me. So, you know, the first book, it, people still love it. Um, it still sells very well, and I still enjoy it very much. But it's definitely time for book two. And that one is complete. It just, what is? When can we expect to see that one? ready for public consumption? Um, I'm hoping that within the next couple of weeks to a month, um, we'll see it posted in my Facebook group and be able to maybe do a little bit of Amazon, um, you know, maybe maybe do a, a sale and, and get some advertising and marketing and stuff for it. And uh, so pretty quickly. Cool. Okay. So I mean, what's the name I, of your I, Facebook group? Sorry, Jenner. What's the name of your Facebook group? It's called Squatch Stalker. Okay. Um, it's it's um, you know, 
it's just very, I, I wanted people to be able to relate. There's a lot of groups out there that are super, super serious. And those groups are fantastic. I belong to many of them. I love them. Um, I, I don't know a lot of people. People didn't know me coming into this. I've kind of stayed behind closed doors. So I wanted the group to be a, a very light, candid place where people could post about Bigfoot and have like a forum to talk to me and be able to meet people and, you know, um, record their experiences and and stuff like that. So um, my group is a very light, it's, it's a fun place. It's a, it's a fun place to belong. And there's really cool people in there I know that I'm a member. I was waiting for the laughter to break out. Um, so us, uh, um, the question, a couple of questions in the chat room. One was, uh, where did you have your encounter when you were a teenager? Um, without giving specifics away, because it is mm-hmm. um, one of my very pointed research areas. Um, Northwest Montana, um, around the Kalispell, Montana area. Um, There's many mountains here. I personally um, am 12 miles from Glacier National Park, one of the most wonderful places on earth. Um, So, yeah, um, there's there's lots of area here, and (laughs) and they're here. And um, Bruce Kelly has asked, uh, Misty, did your experience and your research help to add a sense of realism to your book? And soon to it be definitely books, did. plural. Definitely. Because, I, I mean, I, I stress highly that right now in this trilogy, it's, it's fiction. I'm, I'm working my way through a True Encounters book where I sit down with people and I, I hear their experiences. But my experience, my truth that was behind this book was definitely based on realism. Um, even though it's it's fiction, I mean, there's been so many wonderful things that I've encountered in the wilderness that backed this book up. The area and the people that read the book are going to recognize that I use I use names that are going to narrow it down for people. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so Misty, do you have you had experience with flesh-eating Bigfoot? No, no, I have <laughs> not. Okay. Because <laughs> there are, you know, there are mm-hmm. those that that suggest that that uh, many of the disappearances of people. Um, in some of the the national parks, and, and may be Bigfoot related. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say that's not true. I, I mean, um, you know, Theodore Roosevelt wrote in his book about an instance right here in Montana, uh, years, a hundred years ago, whatever it was, um, about one that was very aggressive. I mean, I'm not going to go against Teddy Roosevelt; he's kind of my hero. Um, but in my experience, no. Um, I, I, I've had encounters that myself, I, let's just call them experiences where I've been out in the woods where maybe I pressed my boundaries 
And um, I think you get a warning. And I think that they're, they just don't want to be bothered. I think that they're, their existence is going to remain hidden, and um, that's how I'd like to see it. I'm I totally, you know, 210% against any type of a kill type suggestion that would be like we need mm-hmm. to kill a Bigfoot to prove its existence. That is unacceptable to me in, in every aspect. But, I, you know, it, possibly we don't know what's happening out there, you know, when people do go missing. Thousands of people go missing yearly in Alaska, and there's several different, you know, suggestions of what could it be. But since we're not out there, we're not seeing it happen, I'm not going to say, could it? I doubtful. I don't believe it. But, you know, belief is in the eyes of the beholder, and my belief is just mine. It's not, it's not scientific it's not scientific evidence, you know, it's just my... Bruce also asked, um, did writing the book have a cathartic, excuse me, effect as far as dealing with or reconciling your own Bigfoot sighting? No. Um, writing the book was a dream, and it turned into a reality. And, like I said, writing it, it just, it just flowed, it came out. As far as, as my... My sighting, it was, I know what I saw from the very minute, the very second I saw it. I've always believed in it from that that moment, seeing is believing. So I I don't believe, I don't believe I was trying to, you know, reconcile emotions. I think that maybe they just fed off each other and grew it into something great. Now, have you... Uh, Henry's asking if you uh, have ever heard of Robert W. Morgan and that you know he was aware that Robert lives there in the great state of Montana. I have heard of him. I do not know him. Um, I Any of that, I, I mean, I, I just have heard his name, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I thought Montana was small enough state that everybody knew everybody. It's always funny when, <laughs> like, I'm from Oregon, people, oh, well, do you, you're from Oregon, do you know so-and-so? It's like, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> I live in Oregon, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually a fairly large state. I do not know everybody right. in, in, in Oregon, so. Yeah. Well, Montana at, um, I think the last time I, I read was the seventh biggest state in the uh, United States, and it's it's rural, it's rugged, and there's a lot of wide open areas where you can go days without seeing another human. So definitely, you definitely might know your neighbor, but three neighbors down, they could be miles away. Your third neighbor might be, you know, far. I, I live in a very small town um, in the northwest section. So the the bigger cities are to the east and the south, and um, so if it's if it's not somebody that's contacted me personally, I, I probably wouldn't know them because I'm I'm not a social butterfly. Mhm. Okay. Well, now you had mentioned that you um, do research. Now, are you a part of a, a research group or? Do you have a small number of people that you go out with? Can you talk about some of your um, 
you know, maybe particular evidence you may have found or prints or anything sure. like that? Um, I I decided um, several years ago that many research groups um, were not for me. Um, maybe their their thoughts and ideas on how to pursue the topic was different than mine, or just maybe it was um, just simply that I don't believe taking a, a ton of people into the forest is going to attract these things. I think you're going to trample evidence is what you're going to do. So I have, you know, at this point in time, exactly two people that I, I work with, sometimes only one. Um, oftentimes I'll get a phone call or people send me pictures or whatever and ask me to come and speak with them privately. I do that and we'll investigate the area. But um, I, within my own group, have... Um, decided that uh, it's just easier to work with people I know or people that maybe I'm not going to say trained but have wilderness experience and they've had their own you know encounters and it's Mm -hmm. um it's just simpler that way so as far as working within a group um Squatch Chalker is its own group and uh, there's a very select number that that travel with me um the the traveling I've done has been extensive all over the western um, seaboard and New Mexico, Arizona, and stuff like that. Um, here recently, I've spent a lot of time in North Idaho, and it's it's been fantastic. And what I found over there is, you know, uh, um, we found prints. Um, I've been fortunate enough this year to get what I think is a a really good hair sample. Um, it's it's like nothing I've ever encountered before, and um, of course I have you know some scat that is is not familiar. I'm not familiar with it. Um, but one thing I, I guess I I don't place a lot of stake on as far as evidence in my area is tree structures. That's not something that I I I call you know oh that's a that's Bigfoot related. Um, we have we have a lot of logging. We have a lot of snow load. We just have a lot of different variables that can move trees and sticks around that are not conclusive. So, you know, um, interviewed thousands of people, I'm, thousands over the space of this time of 23 years. So, I've got I've got a lot of different views and a lot of different takes, and people have shared a lot of different pieces of what they've discovered with me, um, pictures. You know, I myself have taken many pictures of, of tracks, um, gathered a lot of scat, which is not always the most pleasant thing to do, and hiked a lot of miles. <laughs> tell, your, it's, tell your friends about that. I, I collect what I believe to be Sasquatch scat. You want to come look at my freezer? <laughs> you know people ask me like i'll I'll be like checking into a hotel or something and the the lady behind the counter will say oh what do you do and i pause for a second i'll be like oh i'm i'm an author and she'll be like oh what book did you write or what what what's you know your name and and you know you'll be there and she'll be clicking it into the internet and it'll come up with bigfoot and their faces change 
and stuff. But I mean, my friends over the years are very, very tight knit group, and they're kind of used to to me being like, "Oh gosh, guess what I got today? I got I got scat." And of course, that's my, not my <laughs> might not be what we call it here, but it's like, "Oh, right. look, look at this!" <laughs> so they're used to me. That's awesome. Now, do you do most of your research um, in one particular area? I know you said you're close to the uh, the mountains over there. Are you? Do you spend a lot of time in Montana, or? Do you... Oh yeah, yeah. I spend a lot of time in Montana. I do spend a lot of time traveling. Um, like I said, I I've gotten reports where all the way from New Mexico and. Um, so I, I'll I'll travel anywhere where I believe that somebody has has something to show me. Um, that might be traveling a little bit blind, but it's it's a good way to do it. And here in Montana, um, I I have a few areas that I consider, you know, my my research areas. I recently, within just this past month, came across something, you know, that I, I was not expecting in a whole new area. And um, it's it's been really, really awesome kind of getting outside of the box, what I'm used to, and um, researching that a little bit and spending some time in this new area. And um, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I And I can credit that to, to North Idaho. Um, and I have spent an incredible amount of time over there. The people are wonderful and genuine, and I, I think that the... Um, the mountains over there have have a lot to offer and a lot of secrets. Interesting. Montana is not, does not have a, a large amount of reports like in the BFRO database. Why? What do you attribute that to? I mean, that there's not. You know, I've I thought about that, and several years ago, I got online and I looked at the different, um, you know, reporting um, websites. And I I um, essentially printed off a map of Montana and narrowed it down to counties and then went and, you know, printed off every everything that had been reported per county and organized it in my own database. And, of course, you know, there were several that overlap each other that were the same report. And... From what I've heard from people and what I've been told from right here within my state, um, up until a few years ago, I don't think that it was socially acceptable to maybe talk about it. Um, I think those that that did talk about it were really wanting an answer. I'm not 100% sure, but I've definitely noticed that there's there's not been a lot. But you you stop and you get to know people and – you know, just just a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, um, out in a in another completely separate area, and I came down off the mountain and um, was checking into a hotel when when the of course it was one of those instances where, what do you do? Oh, this is what I do, and the man's like, oh, well, you know what? Many years ago, when I was hunting, and I, and he went on to tell me his experience, and you know. I don't have I don't have an answer as to why they're not reported more, other than we're kind of a closed mouth group. 
Well, I, it, I, I guess one of my my feelings about that is one, if you if you did like a bell curve of population to Bigfoot reports, I mean Montana, while it while it's a huge state, doesn't have a lot of people in the state as you were talking about earlier. So I mean, it takes two things to have a Bigfoot encounter. You know, you have to have a Bigfoot and a person. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's I, I think that if you look at the heavily reported areas, California, Northern California, Washington State, um, and Oregon, Ohio. I mean, you got you got a lot of forest land, and you got a, a higher population of people. I think Montana, you you probably are getting exactly the kind of number of reports you think of based on population and and available forest land. And you might have a lot of Bigfoots in Montana, but you just don't have a lot of people. Plus, you always have to have someone who is willing to report. Right. It varies from exactly. from place to place how open people are to to sharing their encounters. So that that may attribute well, somewhat to to a low number of reports in in Montana. And I agree with that. Um, you know, and a lot of people hear just the name Montana, and they think of you know tons of mountains and tons of lakes and tons of rivers and things like that. And yes, we do have a lot of that, but you know, it, it's kind of geographic is a great way to explain it. You know, like in, in my area, Northwest Montana, you can go five minutes in any direction and find some water source or, you know, some form of outdoors, but you travel into Eastern Montana and it just seems like the prairie. It, it goes on for days. All you see is rolling hay fields and stuff like that. So geographically speaking, it's always just been my theory that, you know, like like you said, there's just maybe a small corner that would harbor a population, let alone harbor people that spend enough time out there to have an encounter. True. So, uh, with another question, do you have, or animals might be? I'm sorry. Pardon me. Uh, do you have a? And I, I mean, what's your? Do Hello. Hello. Can you hear me, Missy? Yes, I can hear you, Julie. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like Gunner's breaking up over there. Um, one of the questions I had was, with all the reports that you have taken, and you said you know you talk to people about their encounters and experiences, um, have have they suggested to you that they believe them to be an ape, a large primate? Do they look more human? I mean, is there a um, higher statistic of people saying they looked more human or more ape? Or what do you say? I would say it's almost split down the middle. Um, okay. I've had people tell me that, you know, they've they've been out hunting with a, a gun in their hand, and they see this thing, and they're, they're looking at it, but yet... Um, they they 
they don't pull the trigger because they're just like, what is it? it its eyes are expressive. Um, that was one thing that really touched me one time is somebody said their eyes are, are very expressive. And um, he was kind of a crusty old coot that had been around for a long time. And, um, you know, on, on the other hand, I've heard people say that it was, you know, displaying complete animalistic behaviors and tendencies. I, I personally believe that, um, you know, they, they're very intelligent. And um, I can't tell you scientifically what they're more like, really split down the middle of what people believe. That's very interesting. It it seems, because um, I'm in here in Ohio, it seems like in Ohio a lot of reports um, tend to say they look more human-like. Um, mm-hmm. But there's always that, a lot of hair, you know, involved. And the, some places it says exactly. they have shorter hair. That Now, a lot of them here in Ohio have, seem to have the longer hair. Um, what's your take in Montana as far as the physical attributes? Is is there a common thread or? In Montana, I almost always hear the the same thing. Um, you know, they're very tall, very broad, very muscular. You always hear that, uh, if, if they get a good facial sighting, that, you know, their face has no hair, but yet the skin is dark. The hair color has has varied from one person told me it was gray to the one I saw. I'm, I'm as certain as I can be that it was, it was black hair. And most everybody I've always talked to has always called it hair and not fur. And to me that suggests something, you know, more human-like, you know, maybe longer, mm-hmm. Um, type type thing, and um, I can tell you that in my own personal experience, the one I saw, I I saw its hair lifting off its shoulder, and it was it was long. Hmm. Now, have you um, ever taken any reports of white creatures? I know that we have. No, I have not. Tied in here. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. No. Um, I, I've been told, um, you know, it, it, I have really taken only maybe I would say 75 emails, reports, what have you in different variety of people saying, oh, it just crossed the road or, you know, many of them were, are also just a very brief encounter like like my own, you know, wow, it's it boom right there before your eyes. But it seems like people that are loggers, um, you know, fishermen, hunters, people that are out there a lot have a lot more to say. Um, I I know I get um, almost I would I would say at this point sixty percent to seventy percent of what you know, people share with me come from hunters. Wow. Yeah, you know, that is a, a good point. Um, it, it does seem that a lot of reports that I have, the people aren't out there looking for this. You know, it's they they run into it, basically. Um, oh, 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially hunters. We had um, Jeffrey Sismecki from Pennsylvania on a few weeks ago. He had uh, ran into it seven different times, different creatures, and he was a very avid hunter. So, you know, that tends to make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, myself personally, when I go out, and I'm I'm always very open about this, that, sure, I have areas that I know there's something there. I've taken photographs of prints of, you know, like I said, I've got hair, I've got scat. Um, But, you know, I think if you go out there and you just sit there and and wait for them to come to you, it's probably not going to happen. And I have just found in my own personal personal life, in my own personal investigation, that the more I go out there and just fish or hike or, you know, actively hunt, I've actively, you know – hunt a lot here in Montana. There's several different and a variety of seasons that if you just go out there and and do your thing and act normal, act natural, and maybe frequent an area. So you start seeing, okay, this tree was placed here a few days ago, but it's moved and you, you know, there's no other, no other humans in the area. It, It starts to kind of paint a picture and you start to see patterns but, you know, I, I simply act naturally. I, I mean, I, I carry a, a gun and go hunting and, um, you know, go fishing, go right. hiking. We camp out there. We ride ATVs. And you spend enough time in an area just acting normally and acting naturally. You just start to see a pattern. And I find that it it's really works well for me. And, of course, everything I find is not Bigfoot-related, but it's something that I still write down and document. Right, right. You, um, so you're, you, you said you were hunting when you um, had your first encounter. So you grew up yes. hunting, basically, right? Yes. Okay, that's awesome. Um, well, we, we spend a lot of time you know, outdoors, and um, you're right. When you do spend time in a particular area, you start realizing, you know, um, my thinking is if something is eight feet tall and weighs six, seven, eight hundred pounds and it's going through the woods and, you know, the trees are very close together, it's going to be leaving a mark. (laughs) There's no way Mm -hmm. it can't. So once you start realizing, you know, you see things that weren't there just a few days before, that really does seem to help with, um, you know, finding anything of, of good evidence. So I think it's great that you you guys are in the same area a lot. Oh, you know, definitely. And it also gives you kind of like um it's almost like it's an experiment every time you go out. You know, you you know that things were one way and two miles down the road, you know, all of a sudden there's something that's changed. So you, you investigate it. You look at it from a lot of different angles. You take some pictures of it. You sit on it thinking what could it be, what might have caused it, this type of thing, and you document it. But like I said, 
you do notice a pattern and you do start to see these changes and every season it's important to get out there every season because the landscape looks different during every season and it changes every year. So you, you have to kind of, um, I'm not saying be closed minded and just one area, but you really can't just get in your, your vehicle and, and drive, you know, 20 miles into the mountain and, and just jump out and start looking for Bigfoot. There's got to be something there that kind of, you know, clicks the little switch in your mind that says, okay, this is, this is not fit. And, um, this isn't right. Or, you know, you just, in my case, I, I keep going back to ground zero and, you know, the, the, circle of searching, you know, just maybe keeps expanding a little bit or a little bit. But like I said, repetition and developing a habit of acting naturally and, and um, returning to an area so you can, you can see it and it's, it's, you know, 360 degree view of it. Right. Well, Misty, you, you go back to like, when you say ground zero, you go back to the the uh, area of your first initial encounter. Is that correct? Yes. And and so you've been doing this. I mean, your initial encounter was quite a while ago. Have, have, yeah. What's been yeah. the most compelling uh, encounter that you've had going back to the same area since then? I mean, there must be something that 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 has happened. You've had uh, had enough. Um, what you think is activity that you can't explain away by known animals to to keep you coming back to the same area. What what is some of that oh, right. stuff that is that's ha- that's happened? That, you know, over that the years we sure um, there's been vocalizations. For example, when um, you everything will just turn calm and everything in the wilderness quits making noise, that's not common. You know, there's always a bird bird or a bug or something making noise. You hear brush break or something like that. There's always something. But the the wilderness turns calm and you hear vocalization that is completely outside of anything that should be there. Um, you know, we have mountain lions. They make a distinctive sound, but it's not, it's not that. You know, bears make a distinctive Sound. Every animal has a, it has its own, you know, personality, and and you start hearing things like that, and it's sometimes it scares you to death, and you're just like, wow, you know that I can't explain it. Um, one instance that I I look back on and um, I absolutely cringe. I absolutely think, wow, how how stupid, and at, at the time I I was just simply. <laughs> wrapped up in myself and it was on another hunting trip and it was during a very very hot archery season and um, my brother and I were not bigfooting in any capacity Um, we just decided to stop along this this road and and call for elk and um, we had just walked a little bit down this um, reclaimed road and uh, um, a bull let out with a, a bugle like not far from us at all and you know, we pursued it, and um, eventually my brother shot it. 
um, and we were working very, very fast. But during this whole process, um, like I said, I shouldn't even call it hunting. I call it stupidity at the time because we had drove into a little town to replenish our ice supply, and it was it was over 90 degrees, and we're just not used to that temperature, at least I'm not. So I was walking around in, in shorts and flip-flops. I was not hunting. I was simply my brother's ears. And we got very lucky, but I didn't. Walking around in flip-flops is never advised in the woods, and I managed to fall down. And at the time, I kind of suspected that I might have broke my arm, but um, we had we had work to do. But during this this time when we were trying to take care of this animal and harvest it, um, something was below the road and you could hear brush breaking and it was big brush, you know, it was like crack. It wasn't, you know, little twigs. And it was a little bit outside of what I would call my, my zone. And I was in pain. It was hot. You know, it was a messy job. And, you know, my, my brother and dad, I'm like, yeah, I did. You know, at first I I thought that by the sound of it, it was there. And um, because it sounded big. And as it got closer, I was just like, that is weird. You know, it's big and it it sounds like one animal, but it's not moving, you know, like a stalker. It's not moving stealthily. It's definitely, you know, and this was, like I said, a few years ago. So I was definitely entrenched in, in, you know, the Bigfoot world, but I still held a, you know, 9 to 5 or a 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. job, I should say. And so I just thought it would be funny, and I'm just like, hey, bear, you know, go away. And so I started launching rocks over the side of the road, and the brush was really thick. And, um, you know, that that's kind of just what you do, you know, is, hey, bear, make noise, get it to move away. Um, we were probably leaving a horrific scent trail for it. Okay. And um, out, out of the, the bottom of the road, you know, or below the road, and, and this is something that, you know, people share with me all the time, but sharing my own instances is harder because I did not see anything. I heard it. A rock comes flying back up the road. You know, bears don't throw rocks. Elk don't throw rocks. You know, I and you just stop and you, you think. And at the time I was like, oh, my gosh. How how stupid and how idiotic can you be? You're right here. You know, you, you took a picture of footprints, you know, a mile over the mountain. A mile could be nothing to travel to these animals. I mean, for us, it could be impossible. But for them, you know, they just pick stuff up and move it. And um, mm-hmm. my my brother and my dad are like, you know, quit with your quit with your crap. You know, we got a job to do. And I'm like, I didn't throw that at you. And then it was more like um, you could hear, like, trees shaking, uh, not trees, but branches shaking. You could hear the limbs. And it sounded um, it sounded kind of like you see in, in like, uh, movies where a gorilla will shake the tree and get angry. And, and that's what it sounded like is it sounded like something was just thrashing the bushes. And, I mean, it stayed at a respectable distance, but I can tell you we worked very quick, very hard, and we're gone. And um, that's a warning to me. That's not something that says, oh, just stay around. But yet it was not, you know, it wasn't aggressive. It, it didn't try to take our heads off. It didn't 
do anything like that. It was a warning. So you heed that warning and you be safe and you move on. And I've had encounters where um, just last year, um, I heard you say earlier that um, the the gentleman's book you just read, uh, he had a like a, a stick or a tree come at him that actually broke his neck. That's, that's terrible, mm-hmm. but I can relate to that because, you know, just walking down the road, no wind, no nothing, and a tree falls across the road. I, I mean, okay, it could definitely be rotten. It definitely could be just a, a rotten log, and the wind caught it just right. But then you stop and you look at it, and it's like no wind. And it's green. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's green, and you get up there and you look at it, and your heart starts racing. And um, after, you know, shortly... I started this when I was 17, so it's been 23 years, um, well, almost 23 years. And um, in my early 20s, my brother and I had a, another crazy experience. And this something similar has happened twice now. So it's not like things are happening every single day. That's not realistic. But and that's, we yeah, were hunting. That's, that's a good point, yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. People yeah. think that because somebody has multiple experiences, that something happens. Oh, every time you go out, something happens. No. Out of thousands no, of I times mean, of going out, <laughs> a few things happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine it's been 23 different hunting seasons, you know, 23 different this and that, tons of camping trips, tons of miles on your vehicle and your feet, and and you get two instances. So, no, it does not happen like that. And mm-hmm. no, am I saying that it's definitely Bigfoot? Absolutely not. Because I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sitting there to watch it happen. And I just, um, you know, I always stress that. I didn't see it happen, but I have my, my own thoughts. And um, we, were, we were hunting, and he, I was driving that morning. And so that means he had to, like, get out and move logs or, you know, whatever. And we came to this little side road. And it, it had a, a little tiny blowdown across the road, but at the time I was driving a, a little tiny Ford Ranger truck. And I'm like, oh, you better move that, you know. I, I don't want to waste time, you know, with, you know, tires being, you know, flat or anything. So he gets out and he just moves it. And we drove down this little road, and it, it only went maybe a mile. It was a, it was a road to nowhere. And uh, we came back. And as I came around this little corner, the the log that he had moved – it doesn't take very long to cover a mile in and a mile out. And uh, we were in a vehicle. We were not walking. So pretty quick, the log was back across the road and creeped me out. I was just like, what? <laughs> you know? I, I mean, it's, so that, it's got limbs on it. It didn't just roll back in the road. Right. And, there's something and, and at the time, my brother to. and I, we were, looked at each other. What? There, go ahead, finish your, your thought, please. Oh, we we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, that's not okay. And it was just <laughs> like, maybe we'll just, you know, bump the truck over over this little blowdown and move on, moving on, you know. So, <laughs> like I said, have no idea what it was. I wasn't there, but again, it was it was in my my zone, and. Um, it, it didn't feel right to stick around. It was more like, um, you're, you opened my, my natural gate. I, I need you to go now, and you, you go. 
that we call inclusionary evidence or exclusionary evidence and and there's evidence that excludes any other possibility except like a lot of times it comes down to it's human or it's something else similar to human that could do you know what else could move a log across the road you don't see a lot of bears or deer or I mean so well you can't it goes into the weird, you know, question mark pile. Mm-hmm. It's not definitive. Unless, mm-hmm. you know, unless I've had some weird stuff happen that I didn't see Bigfoot do it, but I can't explain it by any known animal. It just goes into the the X files pile, as they call it. But uh, yep, you know that. Yep, that that's that, exactly right. Right, and it, it's always funny because I mean, I I appre- it's kind of a breath of fresh air to talk to someone of your perspective that doesn't want to attribute everything that that is weird to Bigfoot and mm-hmm. accepts the fact accepts the the fact that unless I see Bigfoot do it, I can't say, Oh, Bigfoot did that But there are people out there that right. do that very that very thing. So Right. There's a lot of people out there I'm... that do that very thing. <laughs> I am not on board with that philosophy at all because I last year um, drove to New Mexico and I, I of course, use these different journeys in life to maybe knock something off a bucket list or whatever. So it's not like I just drove there just to speak with this person. Um, But in their mind, everything that went bump in the night was, was Bigfoot. And I don't, I'm not saying that it's not. And I'm not right. knocking their belief. It's just simply really not feasible. It's not realistic to think that every single bump you hear in the night is Bigfoot. I mean, if every single thing over the years since since I was a young child, if I, if I cataloged every single thing and said, that's Bigfoot, that's Bigfoot, I would be so scared to death that I probably would never leave the bed. I would be like covering my head up, shaking in fear, you know, and, and there's things that you just, in the back of your head, you're like, did I see him? I refer to it as as him. No. Did I, did I see the big guy? No, but you can't explain this to me. This track is not a double stepping bear. It's in the mud. Bears leave claw marks up front. Um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have that. It has five toes. You see that in the snow. Um, and, and you're like, one of my most favorite pictures that I took was, um, you know, in the snow and it was in the middle of January and we were riding ATVs and we actually have ATVs that have tracks on them. So we can, we can really get out and, and cover some ground and, it was my brother that found this trail and it was, the road was completely unimpeded. You're breaking fresh snow and all of a sudden you come across this trail that something that has a stride of five feet and has a Mm. left and right big toe blows your mind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, I, I don't believe that was Bigfoot. I do believe that was Bigfoot. Um, but, is it is it scientific evidence? Absolutely not. It it's a it's a belief, 
And some people believe I was just recently, you know, turned on to this encounter where, or not encounter, but where um, somebody told me that belief is more spiritual. And um, I really took that to heart. And um, I'm like, to me, though, everything that maybe I find spiritual, somebody else doesn't, maybe what they do, I don't. But being out there and being one with the wilderness and you, you can't explain it, I might put a name on it and I might call it Bigfoot because I was there and I saw it with my own eyes. I, I saw it and, um, you know, or I experienced, I heard the vocalizations, you know, I saw the rock or the branch or the tree. Um, we have had one other encounter um, and I, I think I know what I saw again, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a belief on it. Um, again, we were riding ATVs in the spring of the year and we had went through this big snow drift. And of course, you know, I, I went first thinking that I could pull it off. And of course I couldn't, and I got stuck and everybody got stuck trying to help me out. And it was a real fiasco. And we ended up going up this trail farther and on the way back, um, it was the same time of year as this, um, spring bear season. My my brother spots something moving. He's just he's one of those people that can see something moving from like thousands of yards away and I need contacts and binoculars and <laughs> and um yeah, it, it, right? I mean, it's it's totally unfair. But um so he's looking at it in his scope and it's it's right above walking at a left angle. Um, above where the snowdrift was, and but there was some brush. I don't, I don't believe there's any bear in Montana at the shoulder that walks on two feet. You know, that's going to go eight feet, and is going to be able to yeah. walk on its back legs for that far. But yet there was brush. Never got a full, clear, you know, picture of it. Um, we were looking at it through scopes and binoculars and stuff. So, again, do I think? Absolutely. But do I know? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that first sighting where he was, boom, right there, snap in your face. Well, it's just because people get into semantics about people say, I believe. That, that Basically, that's, you draw that conclusion based on your experience and and the evidence that that you collect at the time. So, you know, and every Definitely. piece of evidence requires context. So, I mean, there's, you know, when people are pick, putting up a picture and say there's a Bigfoot in it, what's the context of the picture? What else, what other corroborating evidence did you find? You know, what what else happened? You know, so when you guys, you go out and, and Bigfoot per se, when you're looking for Bigfoot, do you, what kind of uh, evidence collection methods do you use? Do you do audio recording? Do you do video? What what kind of stuff do you do like that? Um, well, in um, my previous dealings, what I have done is it, it seems convenient for somebody maybe to wear a Go GoPro. And um, in early days, even now, I don't know anybody that can uh, outfit, you know, a full – a full team of people with GoPros on their their chests or their helmets or and on their backs. That's an, another thing that I, I do. Um, 
But, you know, we've used GoPro cameras as we're moving through the forest and it, then rewatch the video. And most of the time you get absolutely nothing. Um, I do, I have done audio recordings and then you listen to them or I have a, a couple people that are really good with um, computers, which I shouldn't say computers, but audio equipment that can maybe break it down and stretch it out and say, okay, it, it was definitely a coyote. Um, or I don't know. I, I There's a lot of don't knows. Like I said, he wasn't standing there, you know, talking to me on the phone. I wasn't recording the conversation, so it's a don't know. Um, but, you know, things like that. I've tried using you know, trail cams, and trail cameras do not seem to be effective. I have absolutely never had an, a chance where I can take a picture of my of, of something like that myself. Um, I've just taken pictures of, you know, tracks and taken pictures of, of scat and, and hair, and how I go about collecting that is um, I'm, I'm weird. In the, in the early days when we started this, you know, it, it wasn't uncommon for somebody to be like, oh, as a joke, to give me a box of Ziploc bags or a box of, you know, latex gloves. And, and I was always like, ha, 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 you're funny, but you can't collect evidence with, with bags like that because they draw moisture. I want paper bags. So, you know, that's what we do. And I try to do it not to turn it in. I, I simply do not have the funds to be like, you know, here's my scat here's my hair. I don't have the funds to, to do that. But you can still collect it where it remains pure. And I do that by using rubber gloves and, you know, tweezers. And um, you just can't go up and, and rip a handful of fur or hair out of a tree and mm-hmm. sit there and sniff it and, and then expect to send it to a lab and be like, oh, there's there's none of my DNA on that, you know. Right. Not realistic. Not going to happen. And even though I'm not collecting for for that, um, I'm not saying I wouldn't in the future or that I don't maybe plan to. But you know, you have to follow a certain protocol for it to remain pure. I mean, it, it's just mm-hmm. like it, it's just like anything. And am I a pro at it? Definitely not. You know, sometimes you're not prepared. Sometimes you just think. I'm going to go out, and it seems to be like it's these times when you're not prepared where you just throw on a pair of flip-flops or put on a pair of tennis shoes or whatever, and it's those times where you just take a little hike off into the woods or something that it seems like, oh, great, what could that be or whatever. So I'm not, a, I'm not always 100% prepared, and, you know, you have to go back and regroup and and, you know, hope that it's still there, hope that you didn't waste time by hiking back to your vehicle or your camp or whatever. So, but I do believe, I do believe that there should be some type of a a chain, but I don't always follow it because I'm not always Bigfooting. Even when I'm in the woods, you know, I always hope, I always think that, okay, maybe today's the day, but, um, you know, you, you might just take this little trail because you saw a giant mule deer up there and you're like oh this could be my chance and you take this trail with your hunting rifle and it because there's uh, you know 200 other hunters out in the field you don't think that it's going to be your day but yet it seems to be it's it's those times when i see something unnatural or unnormal Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, and it seems like uh, when you when you least expect it is when you you hear the most bizarre things too. You know. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and you don't have the audio I... on, <laughs> but you hear these yeah. crazy sounds. <laughs> That's always the kicker for me. Or or it hits so fast, you know. It's just like unless you're going to just sit there, and if you're moving around or whatever, you know, you can you can put a little audio recorder in your pocket and let it just record. But if you're out there for like 12 hours walking around and you're hunting or slash doing this or maybe gathering firewood or whatever for the winter, there's other exterior noises, your own breathing messes up those recordings sometimes mm-hmm. and or, and not only that are you going to go back and logically realistically are you going to go back and listen to 12 hours of yourself breathing or yourself crunching through the woods mm-hmm. or sitting there doing nothing you know uh, right. or maybe your partner whatever your conversation so it seems like you know um I've not been 100% effective in getting anything audio. Um, any vocalizations I've I've come to put in the, hmm, that's, that's strange, are ones where you're just sitting around the camp at night and something lets out a, a blood-curdling, you know, scream that you can't associate with a mountain lion. And in my area, you know, short of a wild cat of some type, like a bobcat or you know, a, a mountain lion, there's not a lot that can make that type of high-pitched, but then there's also the the depth and the volume of it. It doesn't fit mountain lion. You know, that, that comes from something big. You know, you can definitely tell the difference between, uh, like, a, a baby elephant and a, a mother elephant. You know what I mean? You can tell mm-hmm. the size difference. You can tell the maturity and I haven't been uh, 100% effective in, in gathering audio. I'll be definitely honest with that. I don't think yeah, that anybody, anybody that, that... Yeah, well, it does, I don't think that anybody does. And I think the layman, the person that isn't really into Bigfoot research, underestimates the enormity of the task, like you're referring to. We go out a lot of times, and we, we may not just have one audio recorder, but five, six, seven audio recorders, which is great that, you know, audio is one of the least invasive kind of uh, data collection that you can do. But but then on the other side of that, somebody actually has to listen to, um, you know, somebody has to sit there and go through all that audio. And we, fortunately, in our... Our little research group, we have a couple of crazy people, Shane being one of them and Larry being one of them, that, that will actually sit and listen to 15 or 100 hours of audio to to find the nuggets that, that are there. But, but like mm-hmm. you say, we've got one, 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 two, three people researching Right. Sounds like you're kind of breaking up again. Yeah, I was just going to ask, are we still connected? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Uh, no. Take that out again. What 
what is your goal as a Bigfoot researcher? That's a really good question. Um, I've asked myself that many times after, you know, just complete months of failure, you know, and I, I don't know if I have a goal because what is it going to take? What is it going to take for, you know, the population to say conclusively Bigfoot exists? It's going to take a lot. And I'm not willing to provide a body. Um, nobody I know is willing to provide a body. And no one I know is willing, myself included, going to harm one. So there's that. Um, what am I trying to do by taking video and rewatching it and, and spending, you know, mind numbing, head bashing hours rewatching, you know, videos and stuff like that? I, I don't know. I think for me, it's just a personal adventure. It's, it, it's, to me, it's just personal. It's something that's close to my heart. And I don't know, maybe these things are more human than animal and and maybe we need to give them which I do we need to give them more respect we need to respect their their backyards more we need to respect the habitat and the environment and everything more not just for Bigfoot but for every animal and I say that as a hunter I think that you can do all this responsibly but there's a line and I draw a line sometimes and it's just like, you know, I've been in this area too long. Let's just move to the next one or whatever. So I, I have to say, you know, um, I don't I don't have an ulterior goal other than maybe maybe like um one of the, the chat um people asked earlier, maybe it's just to simply align it in my mind. Maybe it's just simply to just simply to be put into another folder that gathers a lot of dust on my desk. And, you know, that, that's the best I can do with that one is it, it's just a, it's personal. I don't, I don't know. So, I mean, your goal is not to pr- provide proof to the general public that Bigfoot exists. You know, I would like to be able to say, hey, you know, here's this, but I'm kind of small times. I, I don't have the funds and I, I don't have the opportunity to prevent or present things like for laboratory study. And um, so for me to be able to do that would be fantastic. But realistically, it's not going to happen that way simply because I'm not I'm not funded for that. But... Again, I honestly, after all these years, think that it's going to take something a lot more heartbreaking for the world to believe than what I'm willing to provide. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I often say that basically what, what it comes down to to, to prove the existence of, of the species is it, it either one is a specimen, alive or dead, and it could, you know, die of natural causes and somebody just happens upon it, I mean, that'd be the ideal scenario for me anyway. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm also in the camp of, I'm the no-kill, you know, Bigfoot doesn't care if we we prove they exist or not. They seem to be doing fine on their own. 
the argument that we need to kill one to protect our environment to me does not hold water because if we should be protecting that environment anyway for animals that we already know exist. So to to say, well, we need to kill one to, to protect their habitat, to me, does not hold water. But or I, I agree 100%. That the other the other um, definitive proof would be a long term study, like say Jane Goodall with chimpanzees, that somebody that is documented well with video and audio and and multiple, you know, where you, you can see what you're videotaping something that you know what it is, and uh, but mm-hmm. no no single fuzzy picture or for that matter, any single really clear picture is probably going to be enough to move the needle mm-hmm. to to proof and scientific acceptance. So mm-hmm. that's what I agree. I mean, it's that's just simply a fact. I mean, um, look at the amazing cast um, that, like Cliff Barockman, he's got hundreds of them um, in just one single uh, let's just a uh, trail, you know, he, he cast so, a hundred of them, a hundred plus in one simple area. And, um, and then you look at somebody with the genius of Dr. Meldrum that can look at those casts and see dermal ridges and the mid tarsal break and, uh, you know, and has gone on the record, you know, as, as a respected, you know, doctor and said, yes, they're there. That still hasn't done it, and um, you know, there's there to me is is proof that they exist, but a photograph is not proof. To me, a photograph with the the technology that's out there today, a photograph is so easily spoofed. Mm-hmm. To me, that that's not going to do it. Um, it's going to take, like you said, a, a specimen or something, you know, like that. It's going to take something big. I mean, there's been many research studies done on the DNA collected. Dr. Muldron did a fantastic one a few years ago about on the cabin up in Canada where he collected um, dried blood samples. And, um, you know, it wasn't human and it wasn't in the, it wasn't in the, um, DNA record book, let's just call it. So explain to me how, how that's not proof. But again, you know, I, I just, I, I just think people are going to expect, like you said, a specimen or a body, and the only thing I would ever be willing to provide would be a specimen. And if you listen to myths or local gossip, perhaps they've already got proof. You know, perhaps they're just not willing to say it. Yes, it's there. Yes, they're they're a living, breathing you know, animal or um, who who knows. I I mean, I don't 100% always follow what the government says as, as you know, gospel. So What's there's that? a lot of different things to look at when you, when you think of that. I mean, um, there's over when Mount St. Helens blew back in the 80s, uh, a gentleman that lived over there told me that he was on the cleanup crew. And he saw enormous blackened bodies that were too big to be humans 
loaded into a military helicopter. Um, I it well, would definitely be in the, the. What's that? No, if they were if they were humans, why would they be being loaded onto a military helicopter? Exactly, and and you know I I can't always just give everybody the benefit of the doubt though and say. Yes, he seemed true, and yes, I was able to use, you know, my my background in, in psychology to say, you know, he displayed, you know, micro expressions, this and this and this, but I'm not an expert in those areas, so far be it for me to say that he, he was telling an untruth or a truth. I can only say the feeling I got from him was that he thought he saw something, and for that, I give him kudos for saying, you know, this is what I saw. Um, but, you know, are, are you going to get the government to be like, oh, absolutely, they exist? I think there's too many factors that would influence that at this point in time. You know, the timber industry, um, the way that the housing developments are moving out and up and into, into, into the mountains, literally, people going off the grid. I don't necessarily think that the, the government is just going to be like, yeah, they're there, even though they might already know they are. Right. And I, I don't think that the government even has, um, I, just seeing how that they, they operate, it's usually like, um, well, well, we'll answer that problem when we get to it. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of proactive yeah. situations going on out there related to things like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are those of us that problem. exactly. You know, I've also been told, you know, because like I said, there's been so many over the years. Um, I, I've also been told that people have taken different things, um, like a specimen. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but here in Montana up uh, a little bit closer to the Canadian border, there's um, a town called Browning. And it, it's a it's a, like a, a tribal area, and this happened several years ago. They discovered something on their property. It, it appeared to be a, a juvenile Bigfoot body. And I, I do not know the, the whole story of this. It's been very, very closed mouth, you know, and you get – several different stories about this. So I, I don't know what its entirety could be truth, if anything. But the story is, you know, they took it to the tribal government and the tribal government then just, you know, took it one step forward and they, you know, the, the guys in black or, you know, whatever they want to call them come in and, and we're like, oh, you know, we're, it, it's nothing, you know, it's a bear or it's this or it's that. But yet they wanted to take the, the whole thing and just brush it under the the carpet but yet supposedly this family had taken photos of the entire thing and they had split up the specimen and get only given a portion of it as proof and when they were kind of shot down or if if you know whatever happened like i said i don't know because it's really hard to get accurate information on this um they then took the body out onto their property and buried it and conveniently forgot the location and shut their mouth and didn't want to talk about it anymore. It was like they had their name drugged through the mud. They were mocked, made fun of, 
you know, they had the government saying, oh, it's nothing, you know, but yet it was making papers, making the headlines, and again, this is all several years ago, and I don't know, I don't know the specifics of it, just simply because it's so convoluted. It's very, it's definitely a murky water with that story. Hmm. That's interesting, though. I mean, and then it becomes just an interesting anecdotal story without any, without the proof, without, you know, somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Misty, um, you are, are speaking at an upcoming, the inaugural International Bigfoot Conference coming up September 2nd through the 4th in Kennewick, Washington. Tell me a little bit about your, um, you have your presentation ready with what is your, the topic are you going to speak to? You know, um, that, that's been on my mind a lot lately. I, I think that what I, I want to direct this to is, you know, maybe not just focusing on presenting people with a whole bunch of, you know, PowerPoint slides that just show more pictures of more tracks of more, you know, tree structures of more scat. And I want I, I think well, how I want to lean with this is more on the human factor. You know, what is what is your truth? What is your story? You know, because we can all just get up there and say, This is what I've encountered here in Montana and this is what I've encountered in North Idaho recently. But tell me more. Tell me what your experience is. Tell me it fascinates me what people have to say because the stories, the experiences, the encounters, they're all over the board. Um, some of them from brief seconds to where one lady was actually using the bathroom and she was on a hunting trip and was using the bathroom and looked up and was able to watch this thing for a a little bit and was able to give me really accurate and true details and was actually able to take me back to the place. And, you know, so it's huge. Uh, uh, As far as my presentation, you know, I I just don't know if I want to go with the same old, you know, here's what I saw in Montana. Because most of all, if people are there, they have an idea that it's, that exists or they have an experience that they, you know, know it exists. I think I want to lean towards that. I want to know what people have to say. I want to know what other people think. And in order to do that, you have to, you have to do the human factor. You have to be one-on-one, you know, you have to be interactive. And I, I just think that might be the way I choose to go with this. Well, cool. Shane and I will be also making our debut as um, speakers at the International Bigfoot Conference. Again, September 2nd through the 4th in Kennewick, Washington. So if you haven't got your tickets, go check it out. You can look it up on Facebook and it takes you to their, you can get them on the, through yeah. their Facebook page, but you can also go to their website. So, And Ed Brown is one of the organizers we had Ed on the show a while back, so so Misty, um, in the past, uh, you've spent twenty something years researching 
do you think that as as uh, as a whole, the Bigfoot um, community, Bigfoot research community, those that go out and look, are are on the right track? Are we making uh, headway? Is there any? Um, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? The possibility anytime soon of us confirming the existence of the species? Um, I, I can't. I can't speak from you know the for the different groups and what type of you know conclusive evidence they have have gathered. Um, I can speak from my point of view, and that's that I'm I'm a long ways off of saying and being able to prove that they exist. I I, I know what I think, um, but I think that with perseverance and just staying out there and staying active and having so many people literally by the day kind of stop and think about what they might have experienced through the years and what that might have meant for them, but they they maybe necessarily didn't consider it real. Now it's getting out there where you turn on the TV and there, there are fabulous documentaries and a lot of reality shows that are just that. Um, <laughs> Maybe not exactly the the dynamic I would choose to go out and prove that Bigfoot was real. Um, but that's not saying that they don't find great stuff. It's not saying it's not real. It's just saying that I I don't I I don't think that it would work for me in my area. Um, but I know that um, there are projects going on all over. And they're big, and there's expeditions going on all over that are everywhere from very small to big. And everybody's going out there and and putting in a lot of legwork and a lot of groundwork. And and for that, I know I'm certainly appreciative. And I would like to say that I see hope at the end of the tunnel. I think one day, I think one day possibly, I but I have to say, you know, I, I don't know. I can't speak for the other groups. I can only speak for myself. There's just too many factors to say say for sure, but I'd like to think that one day it'll be proven. Well, I like, I like the idea that we've got a lot of as technology. Hmm. Sounds like Gunner's breaking up. Oh. Yeah. Jump in there, Julie. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think another thing that um, I realize is there could very well be different types of evidence, if you will, that people have that they're just not sharing. You know what I'm saying? They're not telling general public, hey, we have this, we have that. They're holding stuff very close to their chest, and there's good reasons for that, you know. Um, oh, you know, perhaps they have DNA, yeah, something they have that uh, has been DNA tested and they've gotten results back. But the problem being is until you have an actual scientifically verified specimen that you draw that DNA from and you say this is the DNA of the creature we call Bigfoot, then it's not really... It's not really going to help prove anything because you don't have the verified species to sample it to. Exactly. So, yeah. 
and I mean short of short of capturing one, killing one, or finding um, you know a body. All these all these DNA samples that are are unknown that that don't have a classification. We thought something to compare them to, and um, you know see that you know there's too many there's too many chromosomes for this or or whatever the case may be you know without that what are we going to have and that's that's my fear and that's what keeps me from saying not yet and it's it's not going to happen yet because without one of those three things you know there's nothing to compare it to there's no Right. Everything is just—it's all up in the air. We can all have our our thoughts and our beliefs, and and we can all have our experiences. But I'm not okay myself with capturing one. I mean, I, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not okay to remove something like that. Exactly. So. <laughs> You know, it, it's not, it's just not realistic yet. Um, in my heart, I want to say, yes, we're just around the corner. But honestly, no, we're not. And and I wouldn't be okay. I wouldn't be okay with capturing one or knowing that one was in captivity. What would that mean for that animal? Because regardless, that animal is a living, breathing you know, it, it, it's creature. It's it's on this earth for a reason. I, I certainly wouldn't want one of my family members to be randomly tested, or you know, be put in a, a facility that would be horrific, terrifying, and a horrible existence. I don't I don't even like to see you know game farms. But then again, you think okay, the animal was raised there; they don't know any different. But to me, I I I guess I'm more of a free spirit. I guess I, I think of it more as I would rather they remain, you know, unknown and undocumented and unproven than the ulterior. And I, I don't know. And and I guess on it's funny because we uh, there's all these researchers out there spending time. The the funny thing is is it all could be uh, a mute point tomorrow if, if a truck driver or driving down the road hits one. And a news crew shows up, and you know they're actually we we recovered a body, a, a type specimen that way. What's fascinating to me too is Absolutely. that because the because I mean there is DNA um, samples of something that comes back that that ends up being in you know in the human kind of family that yeah. that you would think that would be enough for. Uh, mainstream science to get involved and say, wow, there's something that we want to, we'd like to know what this, this DNA sample belongs to, but that mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be. The right. right. That's, it's mind boggling as to why that is. I mean, we're, we're as close right now as we can be in my mind without you know, without the death or the killing or anything like that, we're as close as we can be right now simply because there is that DNA that is strange. There's there's no proven 
seeing right now, you know, in, in the textbooks that we could, okay, it could be this or it could be that. I mean, there's not. And, and to me, that's huge. Um, you know, unfortunately, it, it it's right now, it's kind of like a, a big old circle that we're all going in. I, I get asked fairly regular, you know, why? And like I said, it's a, it's personal. It's just something that I choose to do because I love it. I find it fascinating. But I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination I'm going to be the one to present, you know, present the science behind. And that's what we're going to need is we're going to need scientific proof. And I, I don't see that in my future just simply because the way to do that is is outside of my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the other possibility is to to collect a skeletal specimen. Right. Um, you know, if if you watch a lot of these um, documentaries, um, like I said, some of them are not good. Some of them are, you know, people that put a lot of time and effort and money and thought into going out there and making these things, you know, these things be front and center. It, it still doesn't seem to be enough. Um, you know, to me, there's Dr. Bendernagel, um, Dr. Meldrum, you know, people behind behind um, that have this huge scientific background it's still not been enough. And they've they've taken proof and they've taken the DNA. And, I mean, is it going to take, like, a whole skeletal, like, body? Um, I think so. And and even then, you're going to have people that say it was planted or it was doctored or this or that. And that's my fear is, is when it comes to that, when, like you said, if one is hit tomorrow on a highway – you know, is that going to be enough? Are, are they going to? Are there still going to be people that dispute it and say, you know, it, it was a spoof? Or we had a, a gentleman here in Montana a few years ago that chose to dress up in a military ghillie suit and um, do a Bigfoot hoax not far from my my home, uh, about 45 miles, and was ended up getting hit by a car and being killed. Mm-hmm. So I remember that. Yeah, there are just so many people out there that cover the spectrum, you know, that are like, oh, yes, they're going to believe, or no, we're going to need scientific proof, or you guys are. And these are the ones that just kind of crush your spirits a little bit, but you just keep moving on and moving on, is the ones that are like, you're crazy. It does not exist. But yet, why couldn't it? There, There's so many, you know, there's so much history behind that has been proven, you know, we know that the dire wolves existed. We know that Gigantopithecus existed. We know that the Megalodon shark existed. So why couldn't these things exist? You know, just because we weren't around to see, you know, the woolly mammoth doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Montana's, like, got the uh, the dinosaur museum over in Bozeman, and there are still people that are just, like, you know, dinosaurs. <laughs> You know, there you have you have your skeletal proof right there. But, you know, I, I just think that people are going to always be on the fence a little bit. And Bigfoot has just always been one of those things that throughout history, 
you've had a, a really split population of who believes and who doesn't. I think, yeah, I've had people, of course, ask me if there were white and the body been found, blah, blah, blah. They, and it's, they want to dismiss it out of hand. They really have not. Most people that dismiss it out of hand have not taken any time to to look at the mountains of evidence. You know, and I, I always say my counter is if one if one anecdotal story is a fabrication or or a misidentification, if one footprint isn't fake or or uh I think Gunner's breaking up there. Then they exist. We lost him again. Yeah, Gunnar, I think you're you're breaking up some there. Um, but yeah, I it's gonna it's gonna take, you know, I mean, even if somebody finds, say, like a an hand or an arm or whatever, and they bring that forward, they're gonna go, well, you know, here's the DNA of whatever creature this arm belongs to. <laughs> you know, they're not gonna. I mean, it could just go on and on. I. I I honestly think that it's going to take a actual body of one of these things before science gives it any kind of credibility. I I have to agree with you. I I do. And, you know, here's what I say to the people. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's hard to have a thick skin and let things roll off your back. And, you know, having started this and kind of been like from the very beginning, hey, this is what I saw, having people look at you and be like, hey, you're crazy, you need medication, to having people (laughs) outright laugh at me, you know, I mean, to other people being completely rude and, and stuff. And here's what I say to them. This is my experience. These are my encounters. This is my research. You don't have to believe, but what I want you to do is I want you to go spend 23 years walking around the woods. I want you to spend 23 years camping and ATVing and fishing and picking up scat and spending that time out there, seeing patterns, seeing the the changing seasons. I want you to go out there and I want you to do that and I want you to make that your truth because that's all I'm doing. I don't, I don't ask anybody to believe me. This is what I tell them. I'm just saying, this is my life. This is my truth. And until they see it, they're not going to believe it. There are just those people that are like, if I, if I don't see it, I don't believe it. And then you have these people that are like, oh, I absolutely believe, even though they've never had anything to, to trip their imagination or trip their anything. They have nothing to base it on, but yet they believe, you know. And that's, that's what I say is, you know, don't take what I'm telling you and, and just be like, oh, you know, she's, she's nuts or, you know, she seems authentic or whatever. I'm just saying make it your own. Go out there and spend some time. Before you are negative and, and say, nope, nope, not happening, what do you have to base your idea that they don't? I'm presenting you with this evidence that says, I believe they do. So until you can follow me into the woods or until you can say, mm-hmm. this is why I don't believe and, and make that stand, you know, 
then I'm I'm not going to be rude to you, or I'm not going to be anything. But but what what is your evidence behind being such a negative person and and being so mean about it, or you know calling me names or calling the the community that believes in Bigfoot and spends so much of their heart and soul and time and money in trying to prove this, you know, before you bash us, what is, what is your proof? And, and that's how I try to say it is, you know, you're asking me to provide a body or provide something like that. Well, I'm not okay with that, but ask me, you know, tell me why, why you're asking that me, why couldn't it be real? Why couldn't it, you know, exist in the deep, dark forest? I, I mean, for since the dawn of time, there are things that have existed that have gone extinct, you know, but every year, you know, new things are, are found, new plant life, you know, new life in the ocean, new species all over are discovered every single year. So, right. it'll and, happen, but... And what gets me is there are species uh, at the very bottom of the ocean that they only have photographs of that they um, determine as an actual creature, and they they give it a name, and it's a species, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just by a picture. So, but of course, there's probably not a lot of people who who are trying to fake pictures of creatures at the bottom of the ocean and say, hey, this is, you know what I mean? It's like the whole hoaxing thing in this community, I think, has really caused one of the bigger problems as to why there is such a um, demand on an actual specimen. I I have to agree with you 100% on that, and that's always something that you have to take into consideration when you interview somebody is do they have anything to gain for hoaxing? Is it a possibility? You know, is it realistic that they honestly traveled all this way? Um, You know, they, like I said, a picture is not going to do it. I I don't mind looking at pictures and stuff like that. I I believe a lot of the the photos are, you know, evidence within themselves, but it's just not going to do it. But, you know, what What do these people have to gain or whatever? And sometimes you have to make a judgment call and say, I don't believe it. Um, and that's, that is a huge, a huge problem. You know, misidentification is a huge problem as well. Um, you get somebody mm-hmm. that's, you know, come, comes to the mountains for a, a wilderness vacation and they hear a sound in the woods, you know, that they're not used to and automatically it's Bigfoot. You just simply can't. You can't do that, and it doesn't. It doesn't mean that I don't believe that they had something that was outside of, you know, my focus. But I just simply believe it was, you know, a misidentification. I don't mean. I don't um, think they mean to. I think that they that they heard Bigfoot. You know, I, I believe that they did, and it wasn't done, you know, to be harmful or malicious. It was simply just that, a misidentification. And, um, you know, there there are a lot of those. Yes, there is. There is. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a recording of an owl that was supposed to be a Bigfoot, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest uh, problems out there, you know. 
It's just a misidentification. There is. And I don't know how many photos of pictures I've taken myself and been like excited about, but yet you get them home and you download them onto the computer and you blow them up or you adjust this or you adjust this different resolution. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the tiny holes in front of the, the five paw or the five toes start to stand out and you're like, Oh my goodness. You know, I was just excited about this five toed thing and then adjusting the resolution or whatever. It's there. Nothing there. I mean, I've done that. I've done that myself. And I mean, to say that Mm -hmm. researchers all over, haven't haven't done it and and don't own that mistake is is not you know everybody is going to get excited or or misidentify mm-hmm. something absolutely but, well, I'm as, wondering... as a whole oh go ahead oh no i was just wondering if we had gunner back yet hi can you <clears throat> hear me now i can hear you <laughs> I am. I, am uh, I can as well. Not, not happy with my internet provider and and uh, cell phone service provider today. But um, Misty, we're just about out of time here. I, I really want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your your input. We'll we'll look for your next the next book in your trilogy, which Absolutely. I believe is going to be called. What is the next one? Rampage and Revenge. Is that correct? Awesome. It, 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 that, that is correct, yes. And <laughs> I would like to thank both of you. It, it's It's been a ton of fun. I've been super excited to do this for a while now, and um, it's, it's been a great honor. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was a great interview. I appreciate it very much. Thanks again for joining that us. It was my pleasure. Okay, thank we you. will talk okay, to you again. Okay, we'll bet. talk soon. Okay, take care. So thank you again, Monster Xers, for listening in this Sunday and spending part of your Sunday with us. Uh, I want to thank my my uh, co-host, Julie Wrench, for, for filling in for Shane this weekend. And uh, next week we have uh, – we will be speaking with the, the writer and the uh, – excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice. We will be having Debbie King McMartin and Mike Woolley come on to talk about the movie Spookum, uh, which actually is a movie that's been in, in a production for a while mm-hmm. and uh, details Mike's uh, encounter as, as a hunter back in um, some time ago. But uh, Julie, was there anything else you wanted to share before we sign off? No, I'm just, that was a really good interview and um, I look forward to hearing her at the international conference that's right so if you haven't again if you haven't um, gotten your tickets i think we lost we've got a a dr meldrum john bendernagel lauren coleman they've got quite a lineup so um, get your tickets before they're all gone Uh, Thank you again for everybody for joining us tonight, and we will catch you next week on Monster X Radio. Have a great week. You too.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.